Welcome to House Calls, where we talk to investment bankers from Kane Brothers, a division of KeyBank Capital Markets Incorporated. I'm your host, Dave Johnson, the CEO of Foresight Health and the author of The Customer Revolution in Healthcare, Delivering Kinder, Smarter, Affordable Care for All. I co-author a monthly leadership article with a rotating cast of senior bankers from Kane Brothers. In each piece, we do a deep dive on a fascinating sector of the dynamic healthcare industry. Usually we're here to discuss one of those co-authored articles, but today we're doing something a little bit different. Andy Goldberg is Kane Brothers' newest managing director. Welcome to Kane Brothers, Andy. Andy just wrote an article for Kane Brothers Industry Insights about the home medical equipment sector and how equipment providers can play an important role in delivering on the long-held promise of value-based care. This article hit the mark for a lot of readers, including Stephen Griggs, who is the CEO of Adapt Health, the largest publicly traded company in the home health equipment sector. Given how the thesis resonated, not only with the Kane Brothers audience, but with me, to tell you the truth, we thought it would be interesting to bring both Andy and Steve together to discuss it. So Andy, Steve, welcome to House Calls, where the bankers, and in this case, the CEOs, are always in. Well, thanks. Thanks, Dave. Steve, why don't we start by getting to know you a little bit? Tell us about your background and Adapt Health and what gets your engine going every morning. Well, I've been in the industry for 34 years and was the president of Rotec Medical, a public company that was uh, sold in the 90s. And then I started AeroCare Holdings in 2000 and then was fortunate enough in 2021 in February to merge and be acquired by Adapt Health and now become the CEO of that company. And uh, what gets us up in the morning is our patients and our ability to, you know, service their needs and hopefully do a better job today than we did yesterday and, and look at how we can do a better job tomorrow. Wow, what a great mission. And, you know, we've known at least since the 70s that home health, hospital at home, home-based care, has real advantages relative to hospital-based care. It's where patients want to be. They often get better more quickly and so on. And yet the system itself has prevented that. But the advent of COVID kind of changed everything. So Andy, why don't we start by having you give us a bit of a background on the home equipment sector, where it is, how it's changing, and maybe most importantly, its promise for really helping to deliver on that elusive goal of, of delivering value-based healthcare to the American people. Sure, Dave. This market has been one that I think has gone through a, a pretty drastic evolution over the past, call it decade, and see if you can keep me honest here, where it was first, I would say, beaten down by the beginnings of competitive bidding, where the number of providers in this marketplace was severely, I'll say, downsized. And then the beginning of consolidation happened with the likes of Rotec and AeroCare and QMES that became Adapt Health, started acquiring some of these smaller businesses to gain strategic scale and gain better footholds with the providers of care, right, the hospitals and health systems, but also the, the, the payers who are, you know, the most important piece of this value chain. And, you know, as these businesses have scaled, they've grown significant footholds from a geographic perspective. These businesses are now standing at the precipice of this transition to value-based care. 
as Dave, as you, you know, aptly put it, you know, there's always been this thesis of care into the home, lowering the cost of care, delivering better outcomes because patients are in you know, more comfortable settings or being able to get care delivered more easily. And my view is with the home medical equipment providers already in the home providing some of that care right now today, right, with respiratory therapists, is their ability to layer additional services, closing gaps of care, increasing the health of the population, which is why I wrote the piece. I really think that there has been this beginning of this evolution but my view is that evolution could, could start speeding up now that we're, uh, you know, we have some payment models and payment paradigms in the home medical equipment space around value-based care, and that is going to be rolled out more fulsomely, and these businesses can be at the nexus of that, in essence, the quarterback of caring to the home. Wow, that's an optimistic thesis. I got to tell you, Andy, I always get nervous when anybody ever mentions the word precipice. You know, <laughs> are you going to jump or are you going to be pushed off? But that was great. So, Steve, Andy's in with both feet on home-based care and, and the equipment and so on. Do you share his enthusiasm? And tell us about the marketplace from your perspective and what the opportunity is. And I assume you're jumping, not being pushed into this. Well, we're being pushed, pulled, jumping, and, and everything because it's uh, happening, and it's happening a lot faster than, than people would think. And so the opportunity is, is tremendous, and, and it's always been there. But the difference today is one is of acceptance and the push and the need for it and the, and the cost that's happening. There, there's so much need out there that's greater than it's being delivered today that you got to pay for it somehow. So you got to figure out a more efficient way to pay for it. So that's number one. Number two is we've all had these great ideas, but we really have the technology and the connections to, to be able to do it. And so it wasn't an efficient system of where you'd run somebody out to the home, they'd write up a piece of paper, they'd deliver it to a doctor, a doctor would do something with it. I mean, that, that, that system can't work. There's no human capital solution to, you know, these issues and these opportunities. It's all a tech solution. So it's a combination of, for us, our ability, we're in the home, we have that contact with that patient, and then it's the technology that we've built around and the, and the manufacturers have built around that's connecting all this data that's possibly needed. And then the payers are going to have requests, too. That's all going to be able, if you can connect that through electronic connections, you know, all the stuff that people have been talking about, like you said, for a long time has a yeah. chance to be, uh, to be reality. Well, my favorite definition of luck is where opportunity meets preparation. And the way you laid out some of those macro factors was fantastic. I mean, huge need, technology advances, and the fact that if we don't do something different, healthcare is going to break the bank in this country. And, you know, Medicare is only a couple of years away from insolvency, the Medicare trust fund. So as you're sort of sitting on the edge of this and you got into this a little bit on your last earnings call, a lot of buzz, how do you think the value-based payment models for home health will change the way that equipment manufacturers like you attack the marketplace? I mean, my own thesis is that we're not really going to change the way we deliver care until we change the way we pay for care. 
But that payment change is starting to happen. And in combination with the other factors, the need, the tech and so on, I think it really creates a tremendous opportunity for companies like yours. Am, am I reading that the right way? No, I think you are. I think people are struggling of how you define success in this and then how mm-hmm. you how you measure it and that, and that kind of stuff. And so I think that's an evolving process. Okay. But what we have today that's unique is, you know, so you take an MA plan, a Medicare Advantage plan. Now they're being scored on customer satisfaction. So we have technology and processes in place that really, you know, help that patient get through the system, have a better experience. It's clear. I mean, it, it's very clear and we're, we're very objective that we can show how, you know, 25% of our patients are responding back every day to, to how, how did we do and how did we deliver that care. So that becomes value to the insurance company. In addition, we've been the leaders in e-prescribing where that doctor now goes through a process that helps them be able to prescribe appropriately based on the different health plans, you know, criteria. And they're all a little bit different for all different pieces of product. So now we have that criteria that we can go to the health plans and say, we, you know, if, if the doctors will use this system, they're going to follow your rules much greater and better. So we could speed up the authorization process. So there's two big pain points right there that the, that the MA plans have. Now, once we start doing those, and they can start, then they get the confidence that we can come in there and do the things that everybody wants to be done, which is very clearly, can the patient follow the doctor's orders? Plain and simple. I mean, it, the compliance is still a big problem in, in this country. And then once you kind of get over that hurdle, then you move into, okay, we're in the home and we're seeing a lot more stuff in there. And we're seeing this patient, not just in the home, but on an outpatient basis, living their daily lives. And so all that criteria and that information that we can come and feed that to somebody that can, that can make decisions with that is, is paramount to trying to make that patient's life and outcomes improve. And so Doctors are only being able to see patients on an episode. They show up in the doctor's office, and that's it. It's a 10-minute visit at best, and they can't have it. So we have the ability to provide that information. Now, is the insurance company going to allow the doctors and, and the system to be able to utilize that information, do stuff with that information? I think that's the, that's the future step that will have to happen. Yeah. Uh, imagine that, you know, actually basing a business, a healthcare business on – delighting customers and delivering good outcomes at a great cost. <laughs> Andy, uh, I, I, I think that's a good point for you to jump in and, and maybe give some broader perspective above and beyond Steve's company of, of what you're seeing in the marketplace. And and I know you think Steve's at the vanguard of, of this transformation, but give us some of the bigger picture perspective from your angle. Yeah, look, I think there, there continues to be activity with companies trying to deliver IT solutions to make the, the process more, more seamless, right, to gain access to the patient, to be able to push and pull data back and forth to deliver on some of the needs and the opportunities around value-based care. You know, from an M&A perspective, as of late, okay, I feel like the market overall has been somewhat quiet. Uh, however, there has been a number of, of companies that, that continue to build upon 
what you know what Steve is indicating, right? That the ability to grow a, a solution to be more impactful to, to this you know, specific population. I know of a number of companies that are expanding on incapitated solutions, working with in dense geographies with payers to to be able to bend the cost curve to be able to deliver this equipment more efficiently and more cost effectively while also measuring you know, positive outcomes. So I think there's a bunch of different forces at play in this market that are allowing companies, payers, as well as folks like you and me, the, the population that sometimes needs this equipment to you know, generate an overall benefit. Yeah, nice summary. And I think you're, you got your finger on the pulse there. You know, I'm working my way through Paul Starr's massive tome, uh, The Social Transformation of American Medicine, which starts off in the early 1600s and brings it up to the current day. And it's interesting, really up until the turn of the 20th century, the early 1900s, almost all healthcare was delivered in the home. And doctors, when they did make visits, they didn't make a lot of money. They weren't held in high regard necessarily in society. They competed with local remedies, but they had to make visits to the home and could only do because of how inadequate transportation was sometimes just three or four visits a day. And then as transportation improved, they started moving to centralized locations, their expertise, their payment, all of that went up and they started being able to see double digit number of patients a day. And it's ironic in a way that, you know, here we are essentially a hundred years later and we're going back in some ways to the way the model originally was. And it was hard infrastructure before. Now it's technology and and sort of the benefits of being in the home. And, you know, Steve, you've designed, and by the way, I just love the name of your company, Adapt Health. You're adapting to these macro forces and we're kind of coming back to the home. You know, home is where the health is for specific conditions like diabetes. And, you know, today in America, half of Americans are either diabetic or pre-diabetic. And so we have to do a better job, not only of treating diabetes, but hopefully preventing it as well. But why don't you talk to us a little bit about this broader movement into the home through the specific focus of what you've been doing on diabetes, which is really important. Well, diabetes is a huge medical problem. You can't listen to a speech from President Biden without him mentioning diabetes and insulin. You know, it's, it's a big, big topic that is affecting almost every American or their family to some degree. And so it's it's the treatment of it, but you, you hit on it, it's the prevention of it. And so if you watch the U.S. Open, you know, tennis last time, I just happened to see it, you had people with CGM monitors on playing tennis. So diabetes isn't for, you know, people that are necessarily unhealthy. They have people that have, you know, glucose issues, problems that they need monitoring on there. And if they don't, you know, repercussions can happen. In addition, diabetes, when somebody has diabetes, any other condition they get gets magnified to, to the nth degree. So diabetes is just this critical part that's become in, in our society that, that has to be managed. So any conversation that we have with any health system, with any risk-taking organization, with any payer, Diabetes is a topic of conversation. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to make sure that that patient is doing the job that they have been 
have been told to do by their physician in monitoring their in their glucose levels in particular and making sure if they're insulin dependent that that they that that they're using the insulin you know correctly too so you know so it's just critical so we we, we want to monitor those patients make sure they're doing it make sure that they're being being as responsible as they can because they're going to try to do that but occasionally they're going to drop off or occasionally they're going to get distracted or whatever and that's when those acute attacks can happen that can cause a lot of issues you know, for that patient, and then of course the healthcare system as a whole. But diabetic care is a big deal. Now, it's a big deal with just general health that isn't solved with just eating better. I mean, that's a problem, but, it, but when you get into the Medicaid population and the more economically disadvantaged people, they can't afford to eat properly. And mm-hmm. so it all becomes, now this becomes a very, very complicated social issue that we're going to have to address in the country because you just can't afford to go get, you know, fruits and vegetables. You can't afford to get beans and, and rice and stuff like that, that, you know, is okay, but it's not what you need for that balanced meal. So, you know, on the prevention side, it's all about proper diet as much as anything else. I know. Well, type 2 diabetes is preventable. You know, it's remarkable as a country that we subsidize sugar, but don't subsidize fruits and vegetables. And we we pay for it on the other end, as you're describing. Boy, I remember that U.S. Open. If for no other reason, it might have been Serena Williams' last match. And, you know, she went out, you know, took six match points before she finally succumbed. But I didn't know that about the glucose monitors. That's pretty interesting. Well, thanks. That was quite a tour de force explanation, not only of what your company's doing, but sort of the broader problems. And, you know, a company like Adapt Health can certainly help in the monitoring and, and the treatment, but obviously we need to do more as a country. You know, this kind of ties into the observation we were talking about before regarding payers, and we're not really going to change the way we deliver health care until we change the way we pay for it. And obviously, when we move over to more risk-based contracting, prevention, care management, lower cost options, better outcomes, all of that begins to make sense in profound ways. Talk to us a little bit about how you see the payment market evolving, both in the commercial space and the government space. Well, the payers are challenged. You know, they're in a tough spot. Do you pay for stuff today that's going to provide you with a benefit in a healthier patient tomorrow? And that tomorrow might be two years, five years, 10 years from now. So I've always said this, I've been saying it for a long time, long-term healthcare plans would be part of the solution where that payer or somebody, you know, knows that they're going to have this patient for a long time. So they would pay and try to do things to keep that patient healthier because they know that they're going to get paid for that in the future. If that patient is leaving every two years, all they're doing is paying for stuff for day today, the else is going to benefit. So government entities really control that patient for a much longer time. So they're the ins- institutions that really should be doing more of this and probably will do more of this. I think it's going to be tough until some regulations change to or, or some, some things change that allow this to start happening to where the, you know, the insured is going to be incentivized you know, to do things today for benefit tomorrow. And I think yeah. that's a challenge for them because they have to manage their medical claims ratios. They have to do stuff. They have to stay competitive. And so I, I think that's a big challenge for them. 
And so in some places where you have great market share for insurance companies, I think that they do act a little bit different in those markets than they do in some other markets where they may not have that. Yeah, great perspective. I've often thought that we should do away with the annual renewals and allow insurance companies to offer packages, you know, five-year deal. It'll cost less if you sign up for five years to try to encourage some of that. Andy, what are you saying from the banking side among payers and their willingness to do risk-based contracting? Obviously, the factors Steve is, has identified are pretty limiting to their ultimate flexibility. But, you know, we are seeing vertically integrated companies. We're seeing Medicare Advantage. Private insurers really manage the government risk. Give us your perspective on the market. Yeah, look, I think my perspective is not similar to, to Steve's perspective. I, I do think, while well, yes, there, there's been more in a vertical integration, and I, I think that's you know, obviously more on the commercial side and trying to capture more value, in essence, from, from that individual um, within those commercial plans, creating you know, massive internal networks to continue to route that patient to their own solutions and capturing that value along the way. But I do agree that, you know, when it comes to this marketplace and a individual that most likely has, you know, multi-chronic conditions in the home, older, most likely on, you know, Medicare, Medicare Advantage, there is a need for those plans to be able to or to want to, I guess is the better way to put it, to want to pay today for care that's going to be delivered over time or an outcome that's going to be delivered over time. And I feel like until we see that pivot, the ultimate goal of driving down the cost of care and delivering just as good, if not better, outcomes uh, through that is going to be tough. Yeah, but, you know, the good news is I think they are all know it's some form of this is coming. That And so they're all trying to at least stick their toe in the water, do more stuff. You're seeing, you know, a lot of them, you know, buy companies that are, you know, related or, or doing the same thing that we're doing. And so some insurers are doing that. So there's a lot of action happening within that. But I think they all see it coming. It just go faster, you know, would be my point if we could. If we could balance this up and make it make the, uh, the economics work, you know, in a better way. But it's all happening. They all realize that they just there's so many more things that they can do for that patient, for that patient's health, that could change the change the outcomes. And they get some benefits, you know, in a, in a short period. But you know, ultimately, it's a it's a long term view. But, the, yeah. but they're all but they're all yeah. doing stuff. Well, you're both right. I sometimes think the only thing healthcare has to fear is healthcare itself. <laughs> you know, because we can't get the payment right, we don't get the services right. But when all else fails, you know, you can count on the industry to do the right thing. So I think you're right. We're on a path and the long arc of the marketplace will point toward value. But let's flip to the other side, Steve, and talk about providers and how you plug in with them. I would see home-based care becoming a bigger and bigger part of the ecosystem in almost organic growth that almost should probably be double digits as as we get this out migration of care into community-based settings that are lower cost, customers like it better, they're more convenient, the outcomes are better, all of that. So 
How are you thinking about plugging in with providers to be part of a care platform that allows people to shift back and forth and receive care in the most appropriate ways without too much friction? We know there's a lot of friction today. Yeah, there still is a lot of friction today, but you know, we every day are trying to coordinate and, and get better relationships with everybody within the spectrum of that patient's care. And the better job we do with that and the better coordination that we have, and again, the electronic movement of information and data is, is key to that. So whether that be with, you know, home health or whether it be the pharmacy or whether it be with the doctor's office, whether it be with PT, you know, whatever that is. We need to be coordinating better with that. And so that's a big mission of our company to make sure that, you know, we're coordinating our patient's health. And so we're understanding more about what's going on with that patient, trying to get as much information as we can, and then making sure that we're able, willing, and we do coordinate that with the other people in there, as opposed to just taking care of our service. So we want as much information as we can on that patient, and we want to be making ourselves available you know, and to, to everybody to make sure that they know. Because a lot of times you, you're showing up and, you know, home health is showing up in there or the pharmacy's, you know, doing stuff with the patient. They don't really realize that, that, that there's other folks in there. And, and we make that mistake and we want to try to minimize that mistake and make ourselves. Mm -hmm. Are providers meeting you halfway on this? Everybody's interested in trying to do a better job for that patient. I mean, that, you know, that's the one known thing when you get out there in the in the care of the patient we're out there where somebody's actually laying hands and doing stuff with that patient or delivering something to that patient they're all pro patient and uh so that's a great thing and so they're always trying to figure out you know better ways to do things for their patient that's a really powerful point that the human connection at delivering care is intimate it's important we were often interacting with people when they're not at their best so we can have a care responsibility. And I can see you take that seriously. Andy, any final comments on home health and equipment and where the industry is going and so on? I really think that this is a market that has the ability to deliver on the vision of value-based care with care into the home, delivering product, pulling data, as well as potentially delivering additional service offerings to increase the individual's opportunity for care in the home. I think this is a, a market that is set for great expansion and significant tailwinds for the years to come. Well, that sets us up nicely, I think, for your big, bold predictions. Steve, looking out into the near future, what do you see coming? You can pick anything you want, but I bet it's going to be related to home health and equipment. But give us a big, bold prediction. Well, I'm going to give you two. Okay. <laughs> All right. So one is on value-based care, it is coming. It's coming faster. And home medical companies will be very much involved in it. And given the, in, in markets, uh, healthcare is local. So on a given market, they may be in, in the leaders of it or they may be providers of it, or they, but there, it is going to happen. And, and how uh, we address the patient's needs, the home is going to zoom over the next two to five years faster than anybody could uh, imagine. My other prediction is that it is all about the patient. The patient's huh. going to get in control. The patient's not going to be just a patient anymore. They're going to be a consumer. They're going to be an advocate. 
and the patients are going to drive the change and their demands. They're not going to sit on the sidelines anymore. Patients are going to drive the change in healthcare. Well, boomers have never been quiet, right? And now they've disrupted everything. And you're a boomer like me. So we've disrupted everything, uh, you know, through the course of our lives. So why not elder care and latter stages of life? But Double the pleasure, double the fun. Two predictions from Steve, Andy. That's going to be a tough bard yeah, to measure, measure up to. So, you know, what's your crystal ball saying? My crystal ball is that, as we know, hospitals are, are troubled. And hospitals need to focus on delivering care to a lower cost setting. And my view is into the home and getting that patient to stay in the home for you know as, as, as long as possible while providing a high level of care is the future. And that is going to drive, I would say, you know, upper teens growth in this market for several years to come. And I, I think that that makes this in the nexus of where we're going with value-based care. So you and Steve are on the same page there. Yeah, it's interesting when you think about it, Steve, your second point about patients, consumers really driving their their care really is what I think is going to trigger your first prediction that that we're going to see growth in the sector. And Andy's doubling down and saying it's going to be in the high teens. You do that for a few years and pretty soon you got something. So anyway, great conversation. Thank you both so much. I'd encourage our listeners to read Andy's article home medical equipment providers can help deliver on the promise of home health value-based care. It's a mouthful, but definitely worth the read, and you'll definitely learn something from it. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep doing what you do to make our healthcare system kinder, smarter, and more accessible and affordable for all.